Money isn't the root of all evil. The way we love money is the root of all <laughs> evil. So it's a love of it over. So when you're loving money over people, yeah. um, that is definitely the biggest problem. But it yeah, it runs deep. Welcome to the Young Money Podcast with Ross Moran. This episode of the Young Money Podcast is brought to you by More Time Financial, a financial planning, money management, and financial education business helping young Australians to make smarter decisions with their money. Welcome back to another episode of the Young Money Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Murray. And in today's episode, I chat with mental health counsellor Noni Croft from Croft Confidence to discuss probably one of the deeper topics that we've had to date on the podcast, and that is the topic of mental health and money. So mental health is something that I personally feel undereducated and pretty misinformed about. So I thought it was best to bring in an expert and discuss this very much still taboo topic. So throughout this episode, I'll chat with Noni about the role of a mental health counsellor and how she helps her clients, some of the different types of mental health conditions and the common misconceptions surrounding mental health in general, the negative effects she sees money having on her clients' personal mental health and also their relationships, just how common and severe money stress can be in today's society, as well as financial abuse in relationships and much, much more. I hope you enjoy the episode. Now, before we get started on today's episode, this is just a friendly reminder in order to keep our lawyers happy that in preparing this podcast, myself and any contributors have not taken into account any particular person's objectives, financial situation or needs. So before acting on any of this information, you should consider its relevance to your personal circumstances and if required, seek the assistance of a licensed professional. I'm Noni Croft. I'm 32. And I'm a mental health counsellor. Excellent. Now, for me, myself included, and probably other people listening, what is a mental health counsellor? So, a mental health counsellor focuses on the spiritual, emotional, and psychological health of someone who is either feeling well or feeling unwell mentally. Okay. And a summary of your kind of general day in the life or day in the practice of a mental health counsellor? Yeah, sure. Um, if there, if there is one. <laughs> there's, uh, there's no like stock standard particular day, but generally um, making sure that people are going well in who have previously seen. I make sure that I do daily touches with people who have seen me and just check up on them, see how they're going. And then I'll see people um, via Zoom majority. Yep. So I'm conducting Zoom sessions where they get to stay in their pyjamas if they want (laughs) (laughs) and have a big cup of tea and wrapped up in their blankets and and talking to me via Zoom. And then it's clinical notes and yeah, just following up on any other personal development that I want for my own business. Yeah, excellent. And working with individuals, couples, businesses, or what's the... Yeah, every, yeah, the works, definitely. Um, I work a lot in the field of businesses, so okay. I help a lot of um, businesses and their staff in regards to staff mental health, yep. um, which keeps them in the business longer and pre- prevents any sort of um, exiting from yep. businesses because that mental retention. health... Yeah. yeah, definitely retention. Um, a lot of individuals uh, who are suffering with things like from domestic violence or addiction, um, depression, anxiety, and then heaps of kids. I work with a lot of kids in the um, sexual assault field, so kids have experienced that. Sure. And their families. Yeah. 
So on, on the business side, do you see, you see a lot more businesses taking that up, like becoming more and more common? Yeah, heaps. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely an upward trend yeah. in, in general workplaces because yeah. they see the value in it. And across the board, like how long have you been, been doing this for? I've been in the field for 12 years. Okay. Yeah. And have you seen a, a change in the mental health space over that? That period of time definitely definitely there's a lot less stigma although there's stigma still exists yeah um but a lot more prioritizing of people with mental health and a lot more uh, openness around like men and guys yeah. and older guys having an opportunity to um say how they're feeling which i think is so important okay and a lot of people speaking up about things that used to be taboo yeah do you well, I think probably a good place to start is, is your definition, I guess, of, of what is mental health. Because I, I feel, from my perspective and what I see on a day-to-day basis, it's such a broad term that it kind of just gets mental health. It just gets, it gets thrown out there. So is there a, a, what's your best way of, I guess, explaining what it is? Yeah, so we all have mental health. So every, everyone who's breathing has mental health. Uh, then there's mental health illness which is the opposite of, of having, you know, a well-balanced um, emotional and physical state. Sure. So I guess I'd probably describe mental health as a broad, broad subject, as the psychological well-being. Okay. So whether you're experiencing abnormalities or maladaptive behaviours um, or poor emotional states. Okay. Is that different? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Does that help? Yeah. And there's obviously different types of conditions and illnesses and, and uh, effects. So do you want to touch on maybe the, the main ones or the ones that are that kind of... Because, again, I feel like everything just gets lumped together. Yes. It's like he's got a mental health condition, she's got a mental health condition. It's like, yeah. what type? Is, is there different types? So. Yeah, there are heaps of different types um, and they are kind of categorised. So you've got... You have mood disorders, which are things like uh, depression and bipolar. Okay. Um, anxiety disorders, which are very broad... Um, reach being anxiety um, and you've got uh, psychotic disorders like schizophrenia and then you've got things like addictions so substance abuse um, yeah. disorders and eating disorders um, and then you can also go into um, traumatic disorders so post-traumatic stress disorder complex post-traumatic stress disorder yeah. and perpetrator induced stress disorder okay so there's there's a lot of them yeah but and often they can coexist as like comorbidities. So one person who might have anxiety may also present with depression. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So they they do blend into yeah. each other sometimes too. And obviously it's, it's it goes from a, a mild up to a severe. But there's yes. obviously a scale of, of yeah. different types. Yeah. Um, I guess like it's it's probably such a broad topic that we could spend hours talking about. But the the common misconceptions that you see in in your field of mental health and and different mental health conditions is there. Is there many? Yeah, there's heaps of misconceptions. Um, I guess from a patient point of view, a lot of people are afraid that they're not going to be believed, which is deeply sad, particularly when yeah. you come from a child's perspective um, or anyone's perspective. I think everyone has a right to be believed that what they feel has happened to them has. Yeah. And another misconception that it's going to be scary or it's gonna, they're going to sit in the room and cry in, in being in fetal position the whole time. <laughs> um, that's actually a stigma I really work hard to break in my practice. Is that a lot of the time people are like, they feel lighthearted and they laugh with me and they go, oh, 
okay, like clear perspective. Yeah. And it's not like about, you're not going to, you don't have to get sadder. Yeah. If you're already sad, you know, you don't have to get sadder in the counseling okay. space. You can actually feel like lighter after it and feel like, oh, I'm actually getting somewhere. Sure. It doesn't have to, because a lot of people avoid it because it's yeah. like, oh, I'm already in pain. Nah, yeah, <laughs> no thanks. Sure. Yeah. Um, that it's, that it's expensive or time consuming or that you have to be in it forever. Ideally, I don't want to keep people in therapy for their whole life. It all depends on their, what they're presenting with. Yeah. But ideally I'm doing my work right. If they are actually moving on with sure. their life and empowered with their mental health. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I guess the public perception. So I guess someone like myself been very fortunate to not have many significant traumas or yeah. not been through any episodes that I'm aware of, of, of mental health or conditions or anything like that. So I've put myself yeah. quite fortunate, but I know a lot of friends and, and people that, that have. So I guess from the public's perspective or from a business perspective or, or the general public, what are the misconceptions of, I guess, that stigma or that mm-hmm. branded, oh, we know that employee's got a mental health condition or something like that? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, in regards to that, it would be, most people have suffered, some people have suffered quite a lot, but yeah. it's all about perception. So how people perceive themselves. So if you've got a staff member who is struggling, they're probably more critical on themselves than you'll ever imagine. And so all they really need is you to listen. We don't ever have to fix each other. Sure. So a lot of the time when someone, you know, you're noticing your mate is having a rough week. Um, a lot of the time it's not about going, hey, mate, you need help because that feels quite awkward mm. as a general public person going, ah, yeah. oh, I don't want to like intrude on their life. Uh, just listening and listening to hear them and go, all right, you're, you're not broken. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. You know, you can, there's nothing wrong with you, but you know, there are options for you. So yeah. the, the general public knowing that there are heaps of options for people okay. and it's, it's very helpful to go, Hey mate, you might need a hand, but mostly just listen. Sure. Does that help at all? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it does. And I think, um, you've probably answered some of this already, but the, the ways you do help people, I guess it is through, through listening and, and, and just being there, um, for someone to, to express what's going, going through or the, what they're going through, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So is there anything else that you do that's, that may be a little bit different or unique to, to the way you help people or how you help people? Absolutely. I don't paint everyone with the same brush. I have lots of different ways and like technical skills sure. of how I help people. So some of it might be behavioral, some of it might be positive psychology. So a lot of the times in in mental health field, we look at people who, and we go, hmm, you've got an illness. Yeah. But the flip side of that is what are your strengths? What are you good at? Like, what are you like killing it in? Yeah. So a lot of the time, instead of just focusing on what's going wrong, I will help people focus on what is going right okay. and accentuate, turn up the volume on that yeah. and start to get a clearer perspective on how they can move forward past the things that have been horrific or bad. Sure. Um, and just heaps of different great skills working with um, emotional freedom technique, which is a somatic or physical body um, changes to how our amygdala and our brain works. So working with brain science and yeah. working with strategies and working with, working with behavioral change and this is so much that can be done in the space and it's a uniquely picked up per, per client or per business or okay. the culture of a business can be shaped with really good mental health skills. Yeah, excellent. Hmm. I guess going back to you've been in it for 12 years, have you seen 
or how have you seen that conversation change? Like, do you think that these conditions or issues have, have been there forever or it has it just been become, it's come to the surface more and, and that maybe the taboos dropped away slightly, not completely, but slightly that now it's coming to the surface that there are these issues in, in society or all these people are dealing with. Yeah, I think that's a very complex one because society changes so rapidly. Yeah. Um, I think it's always existed. I think, you know, partic- so if we go back to, you know, the wars, when people came home from war, they just didn't talk about it. Sure. But nowadays, PTSD is actually part of what is covered yeah. for, for war vet- surviving war veterans. So that shows a big change in society's understanding of what traumatic things happen to people yeah. and how they need help. Uh, I think it's always existed, but I also think the pressures of society have changed as well. So technology's got a huge impact on how we relate to each other, yeah. how secure we feel in our environment, mm. you know, internal and external environments. So yeah. I think people understand it more, but it still probably feels a bit weird because I think humans are wired to kind of see something different and be like, hmm, I'm yeah. not sure if I like that or not. Yeah, so I think it's overcoming our natural instinct as well as um, being more compassionate and growing more compassionate societies. Yeah. Because uh, I guess yeah, I'm sure you see it more than I do, but the statistics around obviously suicide and, and all those things, which I assume stem from, from, from those issues in, in some cases, it just seems like it's just escalating at like yeah. unbelievable rate. And like yeah. I, know, I know quite a few people have committed suicide and taken their own life um, that were going through those issues. And it just seems that it's like everywhere you turn, that it's just like, it's like, well, was this always there? Like, was it there? Like, is it just now that we, as you said, through social media and things that we hear about these things a lot more often or it's getting reported on a lot more often? Like, it's just quite, it's quite scary, I guess, from, from my perspective at least. Yeah, definitely. And thank you for sharing that. That's, that's really sad yeah. and, and big for you to, to carry in your life. Mm. I think suicide is escalating because we lack connection. So a lot of... People are always like, oh, if, if I've got an addiction, I've got to be sober. Sure. If you've got an addiction, it's the, the key is actually to be connected yeah. because there's a reason why that substance is being used to avoid a life that you're not loving. Um, suicide is just an escalation of such emotional pain that the best way out is, is through taking your own life. Mm. Um, prevention of that is connection. So re-engagement in friendships, re-engagement. Yeah. And when you feel really bad... You generally don't want to connect yeah, with anyone. Yeah, it's probably a, a catch twenty two. It isn't is it? a catch twenty two, and it's the more and also like the more vulnerable you are, the more help you receive. Sure. But when you're in that suffering stage, you don't want to be connected to anyone because yeah. you think you're worthless, and you don't want to be vulnerable because you you're worried about getting hurt. So, the conversations around, hey, you know, you're allowed to be vulnerable. You're not. You're not going okay. Yeah. And knowing the warning signs and being confident and empowered to like take action if your friends are yeah. not okay. And also giving people the opportunity to connect to each other more in a more authentic, yeah. actual way. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, it is escalating. Mm. Um, and people are just unhappy. There's a lot of unhappy people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's more to be unhappy about. And the perceptions of happiness are often quite unattainable as well. Yeah. So I think if we, if we minimalize our lives, um, our perceptions of happiness can be more simple. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think, like, or what effect do you think that, I guess, social media kind of gets blamed a lot for, for that? Do you, what effects do you think that has? Is it just the fact that we can compare ourselves to other people 
quick so quickly because it's obviously in our face. Do you think that's the main a main driver, or do you think it's something else? I think we like. I mean, we just see each other's highlight reel. Yeah. It's not true vulnerability, and some look. Some people rock vulnerability on online, but it's it's not how we were first taught to use it. Yeah. Um. So I think it's just the highlight reel, and if you've got if you if you feel like you're living in a low light reel, seeing the highlight reel is obviously it's such a contrast yeah. and comparison. So. Yeah. Definitely the comparison and just there's it's so many layers of it. So like family <laughs> life and past traumas and so like one one loss. So say if we lose our pet that we love, um, it's devastating. We have a cycle of grief. But then if we lose our job, our partner and someone die, else dies in our life, it's like a it can be a trifecta or more than a yeah. trifecta. And that is what can cause a spiral. Okay. So multiple traumas can be a predecessor of Yeah. Yeah, of things going downhill very rapidly. And then social media is a is a, a factor, a small factor of that. Yeah, sure. But self-perception is where it starts. And if you already feel worthless and then multiple bad things happen or you yeah. perceive them as bad, then you generally um, have a long way to crawl out of the bottom of the world, yeah, if that makes sure. sense. And I suppose the, the lack of education, I assume, is getting better now. Yeah. Um, my brother's a, a teacher at the moment in primary school and he says obviously there's a lot more emphasis um, yeah. on on the education side of it, but yeah. I should assume you and, and myself that we, there wasn't really ever talked about going through school, I guess. Like, so yeah. it's, I guess it's probably one of the things that when, when do you learn to cope with those coping mechanisms that you said, like when, where do you turn? Where, what, what do you do to try and learn that yourself? Like yeah. That is that's a brilliant <laughs> question. Honestly, I think people only start learning when something bad happens and they mm. have to reach out. And they're kind of like Google. Yeah. <laughs> um, it definitely wasn't taught in schools for us, hey? No. Um, I think it's just literally if something bad happens, you you start to reach out and find things. Yeah. Um, which if it now that it's getting encouraged in schools more, it's fantastic because yeah. people can kind of know before it gets bad. Yeah, definitely. Which is good preventative skills. Yeah. Do you find you're treating males or females more? Is it? across the board it's it's even or yeah look i think i think women reach out for therapy more than men do um i have a really diverse um clientele i treat um men women and i treat a lot of people in the lgbtqi field as well so lots of lots of different diversity for me yeah um but i do know statistically women generally feel more comfortable talking about their feelings and their lives than men do. But I think men do really well with strategies from from care. Okay. Yeah. Do you see it do you see it changing? Do you see more men speaking up or is it still pretty skewed? Um I think it you know what it changes as society changes. I think this could be a, like a ten hour podcast. Yeah, sure. But I think like when when and look, I, I I have a very, very open view of all life, but I think when they started to get, get to get good and to get talking and start to build, they started to build communities and start to have started to have more interaction about it. Yeah. And then a lot of the then they started to feel victimized about different movements that mm. were happening, and they started to feel like the bad guys as a collective. Um, and so they kind of everyone's male seemed to retreat. Yeah. After that. Um, and then I think it's just people are starting to dip their toe back into going, okay, maybe I'm not the bad guy. Yeah. Maybe I'm, you know, how do I help? How do I function? <laughs> help. So, you know, I think it's starting to 
there've been waves of what I've noticed, but okay. I think it depends on again the, where they live, yeah. who they live with, what they've grown up with or not grown up with, or yeah. what level of suffering they're in. Yeah. But I would love if more guys were just like, you know what, I want what women get. <laughs> like, you know, like I want that too. Yeah. So and and because women are fighting for the other stuff, so I think it should be an equal yeah. rising together. <laughs> Dream world, no need. Every, every, everyone gets better. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So if we obviously fall in line with, with the theme of the podcast, the young the young money podcast, if we talk about the mental health and money, yes, which again is probably another massive rabbit hole that we could spend ten hours <laughs> on, but. What effects do you see, or if you see, money having on people's lives, relationships, obviously just their mental health in, in general? Yeah, it's probably one of the biggest things. Okay. It's one of the biggest barriers to therapy. Uh, it's one of the biggest barriers to connection in their relationships and lives. It's one of the biggest drivers of shame. And it's one of the biggest things that contribute to complete lack of confidence in their life and themselves. So it's, it's huge. <laughs> it is huge. I'm glad we've got nothing to talk about. Okay, great. <laughs> and that's like the first four. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let, let's maybe try and, try and un- unpack that yeah. a bit. The, is it a comparison? Do you find it's a comparison of this, them versus everyone else? Or it's like in a relationship, is it mm. the money playing a factor on whether it's male, female or, or both? Um, one person earning less, one like what do you what do you see that in, in on the relationship side? Yeah, on the relationship side, I actually think it first starts with the internal relationship with money. So if someone doesn't feel worthy or has no money skills or no money literacy, and it's easy to hide that and rack up credit card debt or to you know work re- like bust their balls, like work really hard yeah. but not actually get anywhere financially. That starts internally and then they try and coexist with a relationship and if they don't have the same beliefs or if they're totally different opposite pages Mm. or if, you know, one person does earn more money, um, there's just such imbalance or there's already internal imbalance around money. So throw in a relationship and then you've got, if you've got two unbalanced people around money or in imbalanced beliefs, then it's kind of a recipe for... (laughs) continuous conflict yeah. whether it's talked about or not there will be conflict there yeah yeah and do you spend a lot of time on that yeah with... <laughs> yeah definitely couples counseling absolutely yeah. individual counseling for sure and is there a common a common theme like besides what we just obviously you just alluded to but is there a, a common thread that is it do you think it's the lack of education do you think it's the as you said the, the internal conflict of of not feeling worthy or what do you think it is? Um, I would probably, if it was like a diagnosis, it yeah. would be chronic not enoughness. Okay. And that. Is that a medical term? <laughs> no. <laughs> I would like it to be <laughs> chronic. I have prescribed you chronic not enoughness. <laughs> you need to be more present. Um, <laughs> you know, gratitude for what you have. Um, no, it's. I think it's definitely. Um, an inner so to be deeply honest, it's an inability to take full personal responsibility, um, because that means being vulnerable and going, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I need education. I need help. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's the lack of worthiness, the chronic not enoughness, yeah. um, and parental parental beliefs put into that distilled mm. into that person is a big factor, um, and then that they're trying to 
often people are trying to keep their partner, but they're not asking how their partner wants to work with them with money. Yeah. So it comes down to shame and yeah. vulnerability, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I see it all the time, obviously, in, in, in what I do mm, with the, the belief systems um, that get passed down. So yeah. none of us have ever been taught uh, taught well enough about, about money. Yeah. Um, so then we assume that because our parents are older and, and maybe they've gone through life a bit more, they've got a bit more experience, which, mm. is, which is probably common. So we rely on them because where else can we rely on to get the information from? So we rely on our parents, but they didn't get a formal education around money. So then we inherit their beliefs. They've obviously inherited their parents' beliefs. Yes. So it just gets passed down, down to down. And then when you, you talk to someone, and I find that as we get older, we are expected to know these things, that well, I'm in my 30s now, I should know what these things about money, but we don't. And then as we get older and older, we more and more expectation that we should know it and then we don't know it so we feel worse and we don't talk about it and it's just like this complete cycle totally. of, of going backwards yes. um, so then I, I see people that come in and they've just it's just a mess and it's like well tell me what's happened like, I, I don't know like, I just, no one told me about that no one yes. told me about this I didn't know I didn't know any different yeah, and then as you said obviously there's the relationship side that, that yeah. kicks in yeah. So it's such a such a minefield, isn't it? Yeah. But that's um, it's fascinating to know that money does play such a big yeah part in the conversation that you yeah. have. Yeah, it does, and it, like it's definitely generational patterns, and they all they're almost subconscious. They're not even like conscious driving factors. Yeah. And then the challenge that sometimes you you see once you start counselling or helping people with money is that then they feel bad because you know their mum or dad or parents or caregivers never um never had enough and when they start getting good with money they're then going oh i'm not honoring my my family's even if it was a bad generational yeah. legacy i'm not honoring my family you know i'm yeah. doing better than my dad did yeah so they have either scale of it is yeah. like oh i'm i'm just carrying on the legacy of like yeah non-literacy around money or they're like oh no i can't do better than my dad yeah so it's it's again that internal environment shift mm. And then getting the skills, like they need, and your love, I love your work. I love your work. <laughs> there needs to be so much more education on yeah. financial literacy. Because without, if you didn't have money stress, like how good would life feel? Well, someone put it uh, a really good way the other day. They said, we don't, like in, in our field as financial planners and financial coaches, we don't have money conversations, we have life conversations. Mm. Because, and I've mentioned a few times, that there's not many situations and not many discussions that we have that isn't related to money. Yeah. So it's almost, almost like, and I hate the fact, I hate it that, that that's the case, but it's almost everything that we do is somehow related back to money yes. or limited by money yes. if we don't have enough limited by money. Yes. Um, and I think it's interesting what you said about the, the parent side of things because I think on the one hand, it's they're ashamed by not having enough. And then there's also that select people, which it sounds like a good problem to have, but it's still a problem that when they have a lot or they are successful, yes. they're embarrassed to, to, to show that off to, to people that maybe don't have enough or, yes. again, trying to, trying to find that, that happy medium Absolutely. Of, of, well, he's successful, he must have inherited or he must have done something. Or yes. like, there's, I guess everyone kind of targets, yes. targets those people. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's such a lack of understanding of like simply celebrating each other mm. wherever we are in the journey and being yeah. like, you, you, 
doing good wherever you are and if you want to get better awesome for you and if you've got heaps of money good for you go enjoy that holiday like yeah yeah, there's a lot of negativity i guess tied around it and it is life it's you know yeah it's a human money is a human concept like it's imaginary but it is a factor of life i think it, it can like i assume there's obviously the mild cases and there's the extreme cases and yeah. you can see it escalating because you get someone that's maybe more self-conscious than others. Yeah. So they want to try and keep up appearances and yeah. so they take on the, the credit card or they get a nice car or they, or they do the things that they shouldn't be doing financially. Yeah. yeah. And it's quite a deep or scary slope once that starts to escalate, once those debts start to rise and then yes. that causes more and more stress around the money and the relationships. It just comes from... Well, who are you trying to impress? What are yes. you What are you trying to portray? Yeah. Um, to these people that you may or may not even like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It totally, absolutely. That's a huge factor of it. Yeah. And until they learn to like themselves, and like be deeply okay with who they are. Yeah. All the things in the world can't make us feel better. Yeah. And mm. as you said, the, the highlight reel of, of social media yeah. is a. Yeah. Contributing facts to that, unfortunately. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, like, we could, like, I, I tend not to blame social media or family, but it's a contributing factor. Like, mm. it definitely triggers people. Yeah. Because you see, you know, your friend with having all these things, and yeah. you're like, but we went to the same school, we had the same life. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think, like, it's it's obviously always been there. It's always been that competitive nature of, yeah. oh, who's got the fanciest car in the street, who's got yeah. the nicest car in the street, that type yeah. of thing. Um, but now it's just in your face 24-7. Yes. So that's yeah. just obviously exacerbated that. Yeah, um, definitely. Issue. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who have who have a lot of money, but to feel deeply ashamed about ever enjoying it. Mm. Because they're like, oh, someone has got less than me, so I'm going to make them feel bad. Yeah. But I think you can live by example. If you, if you have wealth, then show how to use it. Like, yeah. and be let people be inspired by you. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm pretty positive. <laughs> <laughs> I have a sunny disposition yeah. about everything. Yeah. So if we talk about money and relationships, which obviously yeah. there's uh, another <laughs> very light topic that yeah, I'm sure spend two minutes on. Um, do you do you see a lot of financial abuse in relationships where maybe one person's got more than the other, or they they hold them yeah. in that abusive state? Yeah. Uh, I see it across the board with um, financial abuse. So I've seen, you know, parents abuse their children with um, withholding money or like whether it be parent and child, whether it be um, couple of any gender, um, whether it be even grandchildren who are older and managing an older people's money. Yeah, money. Yeah. Like it really, yeah. money isn't the root of all evil. The way we love money is the root of all evil. <laughs> so it's a love of it over. Yeah. So when you're loving money over people, yeah, um, that is definitely the biggest problem. But it yeah, it runs deep. It runs <laughs> so deep. Good, good short question, Ross. <laughs> it yeah, and it's and it's because often, and the generalization here, the person who is controlling the money has. A sense of lack of control, lack of power. It's just bullying. Like financial abuse is just bullying because yeah. you're trying to control someone else in a very in the way that you know money touches all of our lives. Yeah. So if you control that over one person, then you know it is it's just a form of bullying, which stems from a lack of own personal power and a lack of own personal responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. So is there any 
or any techniques you use or uh, ways you help clients overcome that from the financial abuse perspective? Is it just purely educating them or talking it through or is there other, other ways? Yeah, I think it's, most people don't know that it's really happening or they're ashamed of it happening. So it's kind of hidden. Um, so both the perpetrator and the victim side of it is just a re-education and a rebalancing because it's not enjoyable to be on either side of the coin. Like it's yeah. not enjoyable to be a perpetrator and it's not enjoyable, well, it depends on the psychology, but it's not enjoyable to be a victim. So it's about re-educating how life can be. Because yeah. often they just think that that's, that is what it is. No. Oh, this is what it is. My mum was always abused this way too, so I'll just relive yeah. that. So breaking those generational cycles is really important and breaking breaking down why you're each um, enduring that. So yeah. why why are you allowing, why are you doing this? Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Um, looking, at, looking at why that person's doing it and looking at how we can change the dynamic of the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you probably answered this question already, but it's like how much of a impact do you think that, that money has on, on the relationship issues? Do you, would you, if you had it on scale of like one to five, would, would it be? It would at, be the highest. Be at the top? Yeah. No doubt about it? No doubt about it. Up the top. Jeez. Because yeah. people, like even people who like start to have therapy and they're like, yay, I'm like doing good. And if they're being financially abused, that opportunity can be taken away from them. Yeah, okay. So it, it, it yeah. So even when they get a chance to have education, it can yeah. be taken away. Yeah. Fascinating. So it's huge. Yeah. yeah. And, and as you said at the start, that there's the, the financial, the limiting factor of getting help. Mm. Unfortunately, the, the yeah. probably there's not enough free help out there. Yeah. And um, all the resources aren't there. Yeah. So then it needs to be paid, which then if you don't have money, it's, yes. Yes. it's a slippery, slippery yeah. slope. And you know what? It touches all levels of socioeconomics. Some very wealthy people still have trouble accessing help. Yeah. Um, and that's why help, you know, there are lots of various forms of help out there. Um, but if help is as easy as possible, then, you know, that's the ideal. That's the world I would like to share yeah. across. <laughs> you know, where help is, you know, and that's what you're doing. Yeah. You know, help is you, like when you showed me through what you do, it's so easy to work with you. Yeah. You know, it's not hard at all. So just so taking those first steps. Yeah, I guess it's, it's probably the same. Talking about it. Yeah, it's probably the same kind of uh, factors that stop someone coming to see you for help. Yeah. That come stop people come see me. So it's yeah. that I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, I yeah. should be more successful, I should know what I'm doing now that I'm 35, I've got kids, I've got a house, I yeah. should, should yeah. know these things, but I don't. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know, and if you're comfortable with me asking this mm-hmm. question, do you see money and relationship issues uh, purely same-sex, uh, sorry, opposite-sex couples or affect same-sex couples as well? They affect all couples. All couples? All couples, yeah, absolutely. Um, they definitely affect same-sex couples and they definitely affect opposite-sex couples. Yeah. All genders, money just touches everyone. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes positively, sometimes yeah. negatively, but yeah. Um, I think if you look at a same-sex relationship um so for myself, being two women, it, it is a different dynamic than being um, opposite sex. Um, I guess we both assume that we're the bread, bread like breadwinners. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's a from my own perspective, good communication about when you need time to be less of a performance based person. Sure. Um, and but I think yeah, I think 
most people are trying to strive towards something. Yeah. But good communication within a relationship is important. But money still factors into <laughs> every gender. Yeah. 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 Because the reason I ask is obviously the gender pay gap and the the stereotype. Oh yeah, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another little easy topic. Um, <laughs> I wasn't buying bombshells. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I, I guess obviously the stereotype is of the, the man's working, the, yeah. the females at, at home, and that's why I was curious to know, like in, in same-sex couples. Yeah. It's interesting that money's still, yeah, still it's, an issue. it's still an issue, yeah. yeah. Um, look, I think the gender pay gap definitely does affect women. I've always been an entrepreneur, so and so I haven't really... I've always kind of been in the boys' club. I've always kind of been one of the guys sure. in a way. Um, so I haven't experienced it as much, yep. but I, that's quite common for lesbians, to be honest, is like okay. we can sometimes be um, high, 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 similar to men in the high achievement field. Sure. Um, but I can't speak personally for um, gay males, but I do know that they can get really good opportunities yep. um, because of their gender. And... Yeah, I guess, it, but it, yeah, it still does affect you. It still is a component of your relationship. Yeah. So um, whether it all, I mean, it all comes down to the internal environment, the communication, but money will always factor in. So, but I think handily with two women, either of you can have the baby. So if you want a baby, yeah. so <laughs> it doesn't, you know, there's there's opportunities that way too. Yeah. So um, we don't have to sacrifice giving up work if sure. you don't want to. But yeah, it's it's oh god, it's it's a Pandora's box for us. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for the work that you and I do around money and counselling um, yeah. and helping people reclaim their financial understanding, mm. um, we can't assume that no, that anyone isn't that affected by it. Yeah, and I think the um, the hardest thing is, as you said earlier, the fact that you can hide. Or you can't hide it. Mm. That's the, the most fascinating thing that, like, when I first started working um, in this field, I obviously speaking to a lot of people, so I could see lots of different incomes and like what the affordability of cars and houses and, yes. and things like that. And very early on, I started like after seeing a number of clients, I started speaking to someone. Obviously, look at the car they're driving, run some numbers of, of what that looks like, and see the house they're living in. Mm. Um, and then you speak to them, so oh, I'm earning this much, and it's just like, well, unless I'm missing something, it no, that doesn't add up. Yeah. But on the outside, everyone's like, well, he's he or she's so successful, yes. and um, but no, I'm sitting there, no, it doesn't. Like it's just not it, the numbers don't that add up for me. Like what I see on a day to day basis, it's, it's not working. Yes. And then you see hey, other people are so successful and and keep going, and unless because because we don't have our bank balances or our debt yeah. position on our shirt, yeah. on our t-shirt or on our social media page every single day. Yes. You don't know if the person that you work with or live with or or, or, um, or your neighbour is, is successful or not. Yeah. They might look successful, but under the surface it's, yes. it's not. And I think that's such a oh, – I don't know how to overcome that, but it's, a, mm. it's such a hard thing because it's so easy to get yourself into debt. Yeah. You're able to get credit cards and it's obviously if you want to borrow money off someone – Someone they're not going to stop you. Yeah, um, sure. So it's yeah, it's such so many layers. As you said, yes. so many layers to it. Um, so many layers. Which is hard. Mm. I I love watching people's body language, and I love watching people's um, monitoring people's stress levels. I mean, that's a huge part of my job. Sure. Is to understand when someone's escalating um, behavior and when someone's um, at risk. 
So I often, and I mean, I've had personal experience where I moved out of home at 17. I was given a credit card by my bank at 18. I've, I've made mistakes. Yep. I've like only in the last few years have I chopped up all my credit cards, paid everything off and, you know, actually, you know, read Barefoot Investor and started yeah. to have great um, financial wisdom. Before then, no, my early 20s were fraught with mistakes, <laughs> terrible mistakes. But I'm okay with that because yeah. I learned from those mistakes and I'm quite happy to say I've had mistakes because who hasn't? Yeah, definitely. So I think the... <laughs> the, the the concept that we we have to know it all mm. um, is very stressful within itself, yeah. and I I generally watch people's body language and their stress levels, which will attest to just how well they might be going in life and just how much help they might need. Yeah. So I'm always looking for the compassionate route of going. <laughs> you look really stressed without while you look, you know someone might look pristinely dressed. Yeah. But clench the fists all the time or, or like, you know, like always have tight shoulders or yeah, okay. hold themselves in a way, um, different power positions that people can hold themselves in. Yeah. So like, <laughs> um, if we like, you know, have our hands behind our head and we're like, stop, like yeah. we might feel quite powerful. But if we're always sitting with like everything kind of like tucked in or even arms crossed is a big self soothing yeah. behavior. So it's not negative. It's actually, Oh, I'm not okay. I'm scared. Mm. Um, yeah, I generally watch a lot of people's um, animalistic behaviours. So what, what I do on, when I assess people's mm. finances, you're doing on their body language. Yes, yes, definitely. So you're running the numbers of their like background and I'm yeah. like, I'm running your numbers. Yeah. <laughs> but in a gentle way. I'm yeah. not like, convinced. like, what are you doing? Yeah, so, yeah. definitely. Yeah, so that's, that's probably a way to look out for um, how to support your friends, family and other people. Yeah. It's probably a good, maybe a good indicator of how you could look for mm. people who might need help. And that's obviously good, good signs of, of general stress levels. Is, is there anything else that you can suggest for, for helping, I guess, or, or noticing those signs? Yeah. Um, I'll, so one thing that I'm quite passionate about is actually protecting children. So signs of something stressful happening to children is um, the constant bedwetting. Um, and sort of and any sort of like UTIs or um, conditions which are strange. This is more on the sexual assault field. Okay. But it's important because no one's really told about it. I've had multiple clients go, this has been happening for years yeah. and no doctor, no no other psychologist or counsellor ever told me about these things. Okay. Um, so constant bedwetting, UTIs, um, lack of eating, lack of like losing, like disinterest, um, super clingy. So if kids can't start to be super clingy, this is outside of developmental norms. Okay. So there are times and phases where kids are like, hold me. Sure. <laughs> um, never let me go. <laughs> but the, the sort of any sort of abnormal peaks in that sort of behavior is worth exploring and understanding. Um, in adolescence and um, like early 20s, I think it definitely comes down to how they recklessly do things. So if there's a lot of uncalculated risks, yeah. that includes money. So uncalculated risks with money, uncalculated risks with their body, outside of norms, like, sure. you know, all sex is good sex, yeah. power to the people, um, but anything that's highly risky or sort of dangerous behavior, any sort of like drink driving and yeah. all that sort of behavior is something to look for. Sure. Um, and then in, in sort of older ages, just disengaging in life hating their job, lacking purpose, not doing hobbies, yeah. not doing exercise, um, disengaging from friends. They're all sort of 
very generalized yeah, no. and specific yeah. um, ways that people would disengage with their life and have mental health issues. And a big stressor of that can be money. Yeah. So just seeing engaging in life, not seeing your friends, because maybe you can't afford the coffee. Yeah, and like, I, I think that uh, what you alluded to before around the, the connection that, that people need to obviously mm. help them improve, obviously the limiting factor on that is, um, one, obviously... It's Gold Coast thing, Australian thing that when we socialise, we, we drink. And if someone doesn't want to drink, well, mm. um, then they're like, well, I can't socialise because everyone else is. But then there's the money side of it of, well, oh, I need to be, in order to be social, I need to be spending money. Yeah. So it's just like, again, <laughs> it's just so many layers yes. um, or inhibiting factors that, that stop people from, from doing those things that, as you said, they need that socialising or they need that connection. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, that's and that is, I guess, the conundrum we find ourselves mm. in is people need to be doing more connection, but there are definitely but identifying the barriers that they can overcome. Yeah, um, knowing that because often we can go, oh, I don't have enough money, I won't. But maybe there's like free groups or things that you know, just even hanging out with a friend. Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. Yes, the good old Aussie drinking culture. <laughs> <laughs> Everything in balance. Yeah, everything in balance yeah, is definitely. Okay. <laughs> now we. We try and go through kind of uh, similar questions for, sure. for every guest that comes on, on the show. So yeah. feel free to pass it at, at any time if yeah. you don't feel comfortable. But um, as you've got older, has your beliefs or behaviours around money changed um, with, with age? And if, and if so, how? Absolutely. Uh, I've respected it more. I've understood that I can work with it that it's not trying to control me. I'm actually in the driver's seat with it. Um, and that oh, I love being a minimalist. I don't need heaps of stuff. I like quality stuff. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I used to, mm, in, my, in my youth, cheap fashion was so big to me. I loved cheap fashion. And then as I've grown up, I've become very environmentally aware and very money-wise and gone, oh, I can't. I need quality, yeah. not quantity. So that's been a big thing. Okay. The minimalism, yes. what has that been over time? Did something happen that you're like, holy shit, I don't need all these things? Or was that, has it always been there? Um, oh, I don't know when it started. I think it was just um, maybe the more I got into kind of like um, deeper into mental health and even into yoga um, was just you don't need just a letting go, a letting yeah. go. It's so peaceful to cull and let go <laughs> and not to accrue more. Yeah. And again, environmental factors as well. Sure. Yeah. Okay. What do you know about money now that you wish you'd been taught earlier on in life? Oh, ah, good question. Um, I always loved compounding interest. I was a bit of a nerd about that forever. But I would love to know that don't spend more than you earn and... Um, get get into a, a like have a spending plan like a budget will potentially disintegrate your brain for a while if you don't apply <laughs> like the stress of a budget and yeah. then having to apply yourself to a budget can be yeah. very stressful but if you have a spending plan and you know what you can spend yeah. it's so relaxing and you don't have to like worry about it yeah. and have automatic automatic savings automatic spendings um, and live below your means not over it which yeah. I would have been told. And that's like so simple, but it's like so important. Yeah. And, and get help and don't be ashamed to be like, I've got money real bad. Help. Help. Yeah. 
I always try and tell people that there's there's no such thing as a stupid question. So yes. I get a phone call. Hey Ross, I know this is probably a stupid question, but it's like no, it's not. Like, if you don't know the answer, it's not a stupid question. And like I always struggle with people like, oh, he's so stupid, or she's so stupid with their money. Yeah. And I was like, my definition of being stupid is if you know something and then you choose not to do it or you don't do what you should do, that to me is stupid. Like, you know what you should do, you know the answer, but you do something different. That, yeah. That's stupidity. Yeah. Whereas if you don't know, if you've never been taught, I struggle to call someone stupid. If they've never, ever been taught about this thing or they don't know what it is, yeah. you can't call someone stupid. But maybe they should have learned about it. That's a different story. But if they've never been taught, never learned yeah. about it, then it's hard to put that, you know, I can't, can't call someone stupid. Totally. To- I totally agree. And it's it's like... It's as if like one day you wake up and you you start you from come from a culture that never talks about money, and then the next day you read a book that or you meet someone like yourself and yeah. you get education. You're like, I'm in a whole new money culture. It's not like when you're been in the culture that has had no financial literacy that you're like, oh, I should know that. Yeah. You don't know, or you don't know. Yeah, you 100%. really don't, particularly around money. Yeah, so it's so important to talk about it. And I always talk about the fact that like you leave maybe you work part time stuff while you're at school, but then. You leave school and it's like, okay, here's your first paycheck. Please carry on. Like, yeah. you're an adult, adult now. Yeah. Sort of, you'll, you'll sort it out. Yeah. It's like, cool. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Best money advice you've ever received? Oh, that is a good one. Ah, well, there are many. But I think it was... Forgive yourself for past money mistakes. So deeply forgive yourself for the times we've made perceived mistakes. Yeah. And take action on fixing them. <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> ASAP. Yes, action. Just take action. Yeah. Don't live in the self-pity of how much you've stuffed up. Yeah. But take action to go, okay, well, that was a past and I forgive myself. And now I can do everything and anything possible to change. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Love it. You may have already answered some of these sure. already, but top saving, top money saving tips or hacks that, that you personally use. Yep. So I have like splurge account, fire extinguisher, all the things from Barefoot Investor. Excellent. Um, it's always 10, 10, 10, 20. So I save 10%, 10%, 20%. Yep. Both me and my wife do um, every week and we just watch it grow. And then we um, put it towards our mortgage and um, we want to invest when the time's right. And Excellent. Yeah. So you recommend other people do the do the same? Yes. Oh, it means that when I take, you know, we take each other out to lunch or something like that, you don't have the stress of like, oh my God, do we have that in the bank? You just know. You just use the account and you're just like, and you don't ever need to look at it. Yeah. Like you don't have fear of like checking your bank account, yeah. which is normal. And I think everyone's experience of going, I don't want to look at it. Yeah. Um, you just know it's there because it's it's done the work. And it might take time, mm. but the time's going to pass anyway. Yeah. Like when you do 10, 10, 20 for three months, you've already got money there. And you're like, oh my God, that money was always there. I just yeah. wasn't having the right relationship with it. Yeah. But I forgive myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then take action. And then I take action. Yeah. <laughs> you need a financial team around you. Yeah. And that's like, I treat myself like a racehorse. So like I have the best nutrition. I have the best gym. I have the best like yoga. I have the best like financial teams yeah. and education i have the best like mentors and the and circle around me yeah. because i, I want to win at life <laughs> yeah because i 
Yeah, I've had a sad background. Yeah. So I want to win at life. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. And you, obviously, you've been the, the number one asset. Yes. You've been at the top. Absolutely. Excellent. So tomorrow you win you win a million dollars in the lotto. Yeah. What would be the first thing you do and the first thing you buy? Ooh. Okay, a million dollars. Uh, first thing I do is invest it and use the dividends to support the charities that I believe in. First thing I buy, can I say more corgis? <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, I guess we already have two. That's pretty greedy. <laughs> um, minimalist, except minimalist. When it, except when it comes to <laughs> yeah. dogs. I'm mean, like 14 corgis. <laughs> I am the queen. Um, <laughs> um, oh my gosh, there's nothing that I would buy that I don't have, if that makes sense. I really love my life. So I just, I would just make the money work for me yeah. so that I could have more opportunities. So I, yeah, I believe in opportunities. Is that boring? I might want more corgis for us. I'm getting I'll, more I'll corgis. Like, I like that answer. <laughs> no, no guilty pleasures that you're just you happily go and splurge. A, a My little... own sh- vegan chef. And vegan chef. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, that would be life. In yeah. house. In house. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. In house vegan <laughs> chef. <laughs> I'm creating jobs. Yeah. <laughs> That's Excellent. what I would do. Well, thank you very much for your for your time. Thank you, Rob. As I said, I'm sure we could spend. 10 hours talking about the, the intricacies of money yes. relationships and, and mental yes. health but I think this has been a good maybe a good starting point we can we can touch back yes. and get another episode in maybe later on in the year <laughs> um, where's the best place to for people to find about more about you and the work you do uh, the best place for people to find me is at www.croftconfidence.com nice man thank you <laughs> so it's my family name that I named myself at 18 to get freedom Excellent. So, and then confidence is how people leave when they see me. Excellent. Any final tips or words of wisdom for listeners? Uh, Listen to yourself. Nothing is ever a bad question. You're not broken. You're going to be okay. Excellent. Well, thanks for being on board. Thank you so much, Ross. (laughs) Thanks for stopping by to check out another episode of the Young Money Podcast. Of course, if anything discussed in today's podcast episode has brought up any issues for yourself, please reach out to a friend, a family member, or someone like Noni for assistance. Links to our website and socials can be found in the show notes below. And if you'd like to check out all of the past episodes, as well as the guest profiles, you can do that at rossmaray.com forward slash podcast, where you can also sign up to get our newsletter where we deliver money resources and tips into your inbox each week. Hope you have a great day. enjoyed this episode of the young money podcast make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest episodes and feel free to leave a like comment and share it with a friend